On the past podcast live from our beautiful studio at vantage venues 27th floor uh you can follow us at vantage venues for all that food content all the virtual events uh we got a big one here today we got uh chen chen from chen chen's right hot chicken yeah uh, yeah we're super stoked uh our first heavy hitter on here really popular uh place it just opened up in uh in Toronto, and we're uh, we're really excited. Uh, me and Nate got lucky enough to try it out. Uh, tried out last week. Uh, really, really awesome. So uh, we're really happy to have you on here. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you on here. Uh, former student, years ago. How long ago was that, by the way? Don't tell me like ten years. I'm gonna cry. Oh no, it was. Uh, I think it was like only three years ago. Actually. Okay, that's good. Chen Chen, good to have you on. Chen Chen, when you have the same first and last name. I mean, you got to be legit, right? We got what well, Bobo, uh, Duran Duran, Duran Duran. You know who Duran Duran is? Please say you do. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, pleasure to have you. You know, it's uh, it's um, it's it's why I love my job so much is to actually be here in this position to be like, hey, chef, come and check out my restaurant. Hey, let's have you on a podcast. You know, it's like full circle to me. So you know, I do enjoy the teaching process, but uh, sit here and and see you doing your own thing now it's uh it's pretty cool to me so welcome aboard and uh let's get it on let's do this kyle what do you got yeah so i mean this was a cool story like i i feel like uh that's what we're going for is uh trying to find these cool industry stories and when nate hit me with this one um i was intrigued right away and then after talking to you last week uh you hit us with hit me with some other stuff that i didn't know so i think this is going to be a fun one um but i mean why don't you just sort of give us like the meat of it like give us like an idea like from the beginning like how it started from you with you as far as like growing up like the whole transition just just hit us with like the the early life right now what's the early life of the the famous chen chen okay i mean i grew up in uh well actually i was born in china uh moved to tennessee when i was two years old uh pretty much grew up in a very southern like atmosphere even though i had like asian parents um you know kind of just like Tennessee is a very religious place. Uh, they call it the Bible Belt. Um, and, you know, it was a very conservative kind of background over there. But it was also different growing up like Asian in that environment too, because, you know, like the majority of the people I went to school with were Caucasian, but uh, everyone was real friendly. And, you know, Southern hospitality is a real thing too. Um, but yeah, I moved to uh, Nashville when I was uh, about five years old. And then, uh, you know, grew up on Southern cooking, Asian cooking. And then uh, eventually I came to Toronto about four years ago just to play online poker, just to see the city and travel. And, you know, I've been here ever since, you know, like it's one of those places where I, when I first moved here, I was like, man, this is where I want to be. Um, I love the diversity of the city. I love the culture. And, you know, it kind of represents who I am too. Cause like, I'm kind of a misfit in some sorts because, you know, being Asian and being in the South, you know, you don't really fit in, but like Toronto's where like, you know, all those people kind of come together and, you know, you meet a bunch of unique people from all walks of life. Yeah. That's the thing about Toronto, right? Like everybody fits in, everybody feels welcome. Everybody is welcome. It's like, that's sort of uh, the beauty of a place like Toronto. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's uh, interesting. Uh, I, my, I have a sort of a question to piggyback that. So what, so Nashville, so you moved to Nashville when you were five, correct? Yeah, I moved to Tennessee when I was two, but we moved from a small town in Tennessee called Johnson City, yeah. and then we moved to Nashville. Okay. Johnson so, City, that, that, there's a very famous song with the Johnson City uh, quotes in it that Bob Dylan, uh, old Crow Medicine, Crow, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The I think called I Johnson City, yeah. So they, they got a shout out from Bob Dylan, so it can't be that small. Kyle, are you, are you showing your redneck roots again, Kyle? <laughs> oh, Oh man, always with the redneck roots. That's what we're about here. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So, tell, describe like sort of like the, the Asian, maybe more specifically. I, I mean, Asian is such a broad term. Like, what was the Chinese community like in Tennessee? I know, or sorry, in, in Nashville. I know Nashville is like a million two, a million three. Like, it's a bigger city. I mean, it's not as big as Toronto, but that's still a good size. What's the maybe the Chinese community like around there? Um, did you have many relatives that came over with you? Um, I'm sure is there a Korean uh, contingency, Vietnamese? Like, just give me an overall, maybe Chinese specifically, and then broaden it from there. So, yeah, I mean, Nashville, uh, it's a little bit more diverse than most people would think. Uh, you know, Tennessee's pretty, pretty one-sided, but Nashville itself, um, there's Vanderbilt University there. So there's a lot of Chinese people when it comes to, uh, you know, like working in the school. Um, there's actually a pretty solid Vietnamese population as well, a very mm -hmm. large uh, Laos population. Uh, mm -hmm. Laos and Thai. Um, so I grew up with like a pretty diverse uh, group of friends, despite Nashville being so like uh, predominantly Caucasian. Mm -hmm. um, the high school I went to was one of the most diverse high schools in Nashville. Um, it didn't really represent the demographics of the city as a whole, but definitely, uh, definitely got experience uh, and like exposure to many different types of uh, people growing up. So from being in Nashville, then um, as far as like the the restaurant industry side goes um when did it start for you like when did you sort of start dipping in when did you know when did you first get into food was it something that you grew up with with your family was it something you kind of did on your own like how did that sort of work out so I, I was actually exposed to restaurants at a pretty young age my dad owned a chinese restaurant in nashville uh when i was like quite young um like when i was like five to eight um but then uh i kind of like you know it, in Chinese culture, like they don't really want you to work in a restaurant, you know, they want you to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Um, so it was kind of like, no one really encouraged me to pursue uh, like a restaurant background per se. But, uh, you know, I, the more I traveled and the more I went out, like I really love food, like food really does it for me, like, because it allows me to learn about different places in their culture. Um, and that's why I travel. I travel to eat. Like all my vacations revolve around like where I'm going to go eat next, you know. Um, but then, you know, I met some people that were very like open minded about food as well. And one of my good friends, uh, he was doing Bonnaroo, actually, which is uh, one of the largest music festivals in the States. And he was doing Thai food there. And I went and I worked with him one summer. Honestly, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And uh, the next summer, I was like, hey, let's, uh, I got a concept, you know, let's, let's see if we can do it together. Uh, so we went and did uh, Bonnaroo the next year, and we did Bon Me Sandwiches. Uh, definitely the hardest restaurant experience I've ever had, and, you know, kind of prepared me for where I am now. Okay, it's just because you, uh, you brought up the festival, I just got a, uh, a quick one for you here. What's the craziest thing you saw doing the, the festival circuit? as far as like people acting wild or, the, or crazy uh, 
food experience or both trying to get you're trying to get food ready or something you saw some drunk idiots doing like what what's the craziest thing you saw at the festival there was definitely a lot of crazy ones uh one that really stood out was uh one of the drunk guys came up and ordered and uh tried to steal our tip jar and uh, he took the tip jar got about 15 to 20 feet and then my business partner who is a 250 pound large irish man uh jumped over the table and tackled him right to the ground and uh yeah needless <laughs> to say that i'm sure that guy never did that again so, <laughs> yeah, that's so, a good one. so that was your first experience hey you never you never like did dishes at your dad's restaurant you never really worked in the restaurant establishment you never worked in burger king or anything like that before it was just like here you go i'm going to try this festival and pump out huge amount of volume of sandwiches that was your first experience i mean i i helped my dad when i was a kid like on the front of the house side uh yeah. i did like a cashier when i was like 15 years old in the restaurant you know okay. and uh you know i've always been good with customer service yeah. but i never had any back of the house cooking experience so was that like overwhelming? The reason I asked, because I remember when I did my first ramen pop-up many years ago, I picked a student and he was a great student. Uh, maybe he'd listen to this. This would be great if he did. And I brought him in and uh, he had never worked in a restaurant before. I'm like, all you got to do is cook the noodles. That's all you got to do. Here's the timer. Two minutes go. While this freaking place was lined up out the door, it was just chaos. And I looked at, I looked at him and he was so deep in the, you know what, he was just like over the top. And, uh, so someone came and sorted him out. And then after he goes, chef, that was the most stress I've ever experienced in my entire life. <laughs> and I said, okay, you know what? It's uh, I'm sorry you felt overwhelmed like that, but listen, it'll get better tomorrow and it'll get better the next day. And then by the, cause we ran it for two days. By the second day he was in his groove. He's like, oh my God, thank you so much. But literally he was so close to having a meltdown. And so did you have that moment where you're at these festivals? Because I'm sure the volume you did was just insane, right? We were good sandwiches, I assume yeah i mean they're good sandwiches you know we had to like do a lot of uh prep work in order to get them ready you know like yeah. i think we did 3200 sandwiches the uh the first time i did bonnaroo over like, about three and a half days yeah um so yeah volume was crazy honestly when i did it i was like man like i can't do this more than a couple of years like it's taking years off my life <laughs> i think the first week i that week that first week i ever did bonnaroo i slept 10 hours the entire week Oh my God. Um, that's like Monday through Sunday. And, uh, you know, it just, it really prepared me for like where I am now in the restaurant industry, just right. cause, uh, like I can look at anything right now and be like, that's really not that tough. You know? No, right. That's and, and it's good that you got that out of the way. You've had that just overwhelming, insane moment where if you're feeling a little, you know, overwhelmed at the time at, at Chen Chen's or whatever, whatever you're doing to be like, you know what, man, and it's, it's good that you have that moment to reflect on because that'll just keep your composure when you're rocking and rolling in your future, future endeavors. So, uh, no, great story. I like that. And, and the good thing about getting it out of the way like that, right. There's like, there's, there's no lie. Like, you know what you're getting yourself into, right? Like, like Nate said, he had a student in school. It was a good student. And then all of a sudden he's getting killed doing noodles. And it's like, Oh my God, what have I signed up for? But it's like, you knew right away. Like you got to, to witness that right away. Like, so yeah, it's good to get that out of the way. Get killed with 3,200 sandwiches in three days. That's a good way to... Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll ever off. be too overwhelmed uh, even now because I just think back to that time and it, it, it makes me relax, you know, thinking about whatever situation I'm in now. Yeah. Um, so when me and you were talking last week uh, and you sort of just touched on it uh, at the beginning there, uh, you mentioned Southern hospitality. Um, and... Uh, how important it is and for me I feel the exact same way like I'm uh 
I'm in the midst of opening a southern uh, southern Caribbean spa right now, sort of going through the process. Anybody listening, you hit me at that southern underscore crown underscore smokehouse. We'll get that plug in now. Um, that's a pretty dope name, though, right? Southern yeah, Crown. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a yeah. dope name, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, not going to lie, I took a peek on Instagram and looked at some of the content and uh, can't wait to try it. There you go. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. But Southern Hospitality, when you hit me with that, I was like, yes, this guy understands it. So what does Southern Hospitality actually mean to you? Because you lived it. And when you said how important it was and how important it was to bring it to Toronto, what does that mean as far as your philosophy, what you try to teach the people that work with you? So what you feel about it and what you try to push forward to the people that are working with you? I mean, you know, down to the very basics, I think Southern hospitality is like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You know, like uh, it's being polite, you know, it's showing like very, being very neighborly. I, I noticed one thing in Toronto is like, people are kind of like, you know, Toronto Canadians are polite, but they're not really like as nice as they could be. Um, Cause you know, maybe they're, you know, a different culture or, or like afraid to like, uh, you know, just cause they're in a, a lot of them are like in a different environment. But uh, I think, you know, Southern hospitality is really just like, is like just smiling and saying hi, even if you don't know the person, you know, like walking down the street, like just saying hi, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, greeting someone and, you know, making their day better by being positive, you know? Yeah. So for I mean, you, sorry, go ahead, Kyle. So for you, it's more of like a general atmosphere, something that people will know when they walk in and they might not even think that it's a thing. It's just like, yeah, everybody there's super friendly. Like I've been there five times in a month and they, they know my name. They say this, like they go out of their way to say hi to me. They go out of their way to make sure I feel comfortable. That's what Southern hospitality means to you. Yeah. I mean, I think what sets us apart, especially like, you know, at Chenchen's is like, man, we really, really connect with our customers. Uh, I would say that there's some people, they come in, they don't even have to tell me what their order is. I just put it in. Um, and, you know, it's just like, we have a lot of customers and, you know, there's good ones and there's not gonna lie. There's definitely some ones that, you know, make things more difficult as well. But generally speaking, we try to uh, accommodate people, you know, to the best of our abilities and just make everyone feel welcome. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just when we came to see you there last week and you brought my my bag out of food and, and, and just the way it was packaged and, and just, you know, I've seen you a million times at school and we've communicated, but you did, you even put that effort forth and be like, hey, here you go, right? And I can just tell like you're, you're proud of your product and regardless of who it is, you're just be like, you know, your vibe is like, you're going to enjoy this and, and you appreciate the business and you appreciate all of that. So tell me the story about the family in Newmarket there that you said they come all the way once a week. That's a pretty cool little story. Yeah, I mean, like some people won't believe me, but like, I think especially because of pandemic, people don't really have a lot to do. And, you know, they're always down, like, you know, eat, getting some good food just like reminds them of a little bit of like normalcy or whatever. So I think people, what they do is they travel and they make a trip out of it. Right. And uh, there's like a uh, family that I think they used to own a restaurant, but uh, because of COVID, they took a big loss. They had to sell it. You know, I kind of chatted with them for a bit and you know, what, what brings joy to them is they get to come, you know, once a week, you know, they order food for like four to six people, like their entire family. And, you know, they just make a trip out of it and they're so grateful. And, you know, um, they just, you know, I could tell that they appreciate the food and, you know, I, I, I really empathize with them too, because, you know, like they lost their restaurant because of COVID and, you know, like I understand like that we're kind of in a situation that we're kind of fortunate 
because our food does uh, do well for takeout. But I also recognize that there's a lot of people out there struggling and, you know, I want to, you know, just be able to like support them and help them as well. Um, so all that about, about pandemic and people losing the restaurants, like horrible, right? Like the industry is getting shit kicked right now for lack of a better term. Um, but you decided to open a restaurant in the middle of pandemic. Um, on the first podcast, Nate asked me a question about pandemic. And I said, I think that this is a great time for people that have the stomach, uh, the stomach for it and aren't afraid of hard work. Uh, to get into the industry or get into your own place uh, and really make some noise. You have done exactly that. Um, and man, it takes some guts. Like, you know, you're not playing with somebody else's money. You're playing with your own money in your own name. And you decided to, to, to go sit at the adults table and then you just knock it out of the park. What was that decision making? Like, what what was that thought process? Like, was there, a little bit of fear or did you just have confidence and faith and you knew that you're gonna you're gonna do this i mean you know like i definitely didn't always have confidence and faith from day one you know even though i believe my product it was all about like how other people perceive my product and you know actually when we had to first close down in uh i believe may we were still popping up at supermarket at the time or not may i think it was march march 15th i believe we were we had to shut down and I was kind of down and, you know, I was like, man, I know this is going to work, but like, you know, basically pandemic has put a big, big hold on this, you know, and we're like, we're struggling through winter a little bit just to make it through a good summer because uh, where we were in Kensington, it's very uh, summer focused, you know, tourist focused. And, you know, I was just like ready for a big summer. And then that happened and I kind of got me down a little bit. So we shut down for about a month uh, and then we opened back up, uh, I believe mid-may and uh just wanted to take it slow you know pay our bill bills and uh you know it kind of just took off from there and it got busier and busier and then uh our product kept improving because uh you know i'm pretty i'm pretty like tight in the kitchen about like consistency and quality and that kind of stuff so like summer went well and then uh we ended up taking another uh kind of pop-up situation at harborfront and from there it actually just kind of grew like pretty steadily uh, I would say like we got a lot of consistent customers, a lot of regulars, a lot of people that really enjoyed the food. So I could I could tell that there was potential. And then uh, mid-February, BlogTO decided to come. And that really, you know, put us on the map. Um, and I realized at that point, like, it wasn't just about being on the map. It was about staying on the map because I was really adamant about keeping the customers. Like customer retention was huge for me. Um, I even told my staff, like, look, we're getting so much volume right now. I'd rather like cut the volume if we can and, uh, just pump out good food. Like, I don't care to take every single order that comes in, that comes into every tablet. You know, I, I just wanted to, uh, give customers like something to talk about, you know, like I wanted to create buzz with the food and not just, you know, be a one and done on BlogTO because there's a lot of restaurants that are like one and done on BlogTO. Like they get busy for a week and then you know, it's over. And I know that to sustain in the restaurant industry, you have to be there long-term. Like your plan has to be long-term or you're not going to make it for sure. Yeah. Um, I can just tell like, cause I went to see you down the stack market a couple of years ago and I can tell uh, the product is definitely evolved. I can tell that uh, 
you know, the confidence in your brand and the brand just growing, like just from what I experienced there and just to seeing where you are now, it's just been huge growth. So uh, kudos to you on that. It's funny though, just back to that family that travels, a lot of people um, will travel if the product's good enough, pandemic or not, right? Uh, my friend, here's a quick plug. Um, my dear brother, I've been cooking with him since 97. His name is Tri Trung Tran, Triple T. I call him my twin brother, but he's like 5'2". And uh, he's, <laughs> my, he's my age, but he looks like he's like 18. Anyways, he's got a fantastic restaurant in uh, like just near the airport, like Mississauga, Tobacco, called Phonak Yen. It's the best Vietnamese food I've, I've tried in the city. Slightly partial. Um, so we travel out there. Me, my daughter, my wife, from Pickering to Mississauga. Um, the food's fantastic, but obviously to support him. And uh, he's like, yeah, all my business is coming from Richmond Hill. People come in droves from Richmond Hill. The product's good enough. So people will travel, you know, and, and that story that you said, uh, people coming from Newmarket, that, that's uh, a tugs on a little heartstring there. And you should, be, you should be pretty proud of people to do that. So um, a question, I want to touch on your poker a little bit, because I didn't know. One of my questions was how in the heck did you end up in Toronto? So you're just young young dude finding himself so you're like hey toronto's a cool city so you had never been to toronto before you touched down and was doing poker from here and trying to figure out a path for yourself just touch on that a bit for me would you um actually i was living in vegas uh not really loving the city because you know vegas is a place where people go you know for fun and not not to really live a life yeah. um but one of my friends that I met who's really nice really awesome guy uh he was canadian and uh you know, he invited me up uh, after a long summer at the World Series of Poker. You know, we had all been playing like so much poker. And he was like, why don't you come up to my cottage in Muskoka and, uh, you know, we'll just relax, you know, get on the boat, you know, go jet skiing or whatever and uh, just enjoy the city. And also uh, a big thing was that uh, Poker Stars, which is the la largest online poker site, was banned in the States, I believe, in 2010. And uh, we'd all like, as American poker players, like just dream to play on poker stars just cause uh, you know, we're allowed to play with the international player pool. So we decided to come up and have a relaxing like poker vacation, so to speak. And then, uh, you know, I, we went to Muskoka, really loved it. Um, decided, Hey, I'm just going to stay in Toronto for a month with one of my buddies and then, uh, you know, play a month of poker and see how it goes. And uh, uh, what's that? Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. But uh, yeah, I kind of just, uh, didn't leave after that <laughs> well if if only all of canada was as beautiful as muskoka right uh what uh what lake were you on there in, in muskoka do you remember i'm not exactly sure what lake but i remember them saying that it was like the cleanest lake in ontario i mean yeah it could be true uh i lived in muskoka for a bunch of years and I, i'm lucky enough to have a family cottage up there too so i could see why you stayed uh if that's your first taste of canada is being in muskoka for a summer it, doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Are you uh are you three random questions? <laughs> Sorry, Nate, I hit you with the questions, baby. Uh, okay. So we're a random question session, Kyle. Is that where we're at? Yep. I okay, hit you with it. So three random questions. We're gonna pop off. Um, let me see here. Let me pull it up. Before I ask a question, um George Brown. Okay. I got to get a little plug into this, my, my fine institution that I work with. So when you're thinking I got to go study culinary, you said you took business first and then you're just like, okay, well, if I'm going to take culinary, it's a no brainer. Did you shop around? I mean, you've since graduated, so I can't fail you. So if you said, <laughs> if I was thinking Humber, but I didn't want to live in the West end. So I took, just be straight up with me. Just, you know, 
Let's hear I it. mean, I actually, the business program I took was pretty good. Um, I heard good things about George Brown. I lived uh, basically down the street from George Brown as well. And, uh, you know, like people were saying, it was one of the top, you know, places to go learn how to cook. And, you know, that's why I took it. It was right down the street. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty glad I did, actually. Okay. So first question, who is the greatest hooper in Tennessee history? In your, in, in your opinion, mm. like, was there any killers at your high school that played D1 or? Um, I mean, I went to university with a, a couple of killers. Um, uh, I don't know if you remember Tayshawn Prince. Yep. Uh, so his, I was friends with his cousin. Okay. Uh, his name is JP Prince. And okay. he, uh, he was a big Memphis hooper. He didn't quite make it to the league. He played uh, in Europe, but he was a six foot seven, like, McDonald's All-American, uh, committed to Arizona, transferred to University of Tennessee. Whoa. Um, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, Tobias Harris was there when I went. Um, but, you know, growing, I think biggest Tennessee Hooper growing up, this is like going to be like a, a real nostalgic one. Yep. But uh, growing up, I, I was a big Allen Houston fan. Okay, right. See, I was thinking I, I broadened it up because I did my research and I, I, I did the top 10, not necessarily who played at Tennessee or that's from the state. Uh, yeah. Oscar Robertson, they got, they got, then they got, so Oscar Robertson was one. I did not know that. Penny Hardaway, two. Lou Williams, okay. three. Yeah. Um, then we've got JJ Raddick, four. Um, Corey Brewer, five. Ron Mercer, six. And then the Reds and Wright, of course, who, tragically passed away because his wife ends up uh conspiring to get him murdered unfortunately that was a sad story because he was a he was a memphis tiger and he had a nice nba career and i guess he just uh married the wrong lady i guess but that's uh so who was there when you're at university of tennessee who are the who was your who was the starting five or give me some names that i might know okay so um so who so back to back to the university of tennessee so who is who are the best players on the squad you went there for four years i'm assuming yeah, uh, well, I want to touch base, too. You mentioned Corey Brewer. So yeah. uh, I went to high school at the same time he was in high school, and we had to play against them, um, and he was unguardable. My uh, yeah. my old roommate had to guard him, and literally all he would do was just foul him. Um, that was pretty yeah, much like, it. He's like 6'9", lanky. Like, these guys who play in the NBA, it's like a mad – Imagine like what what kind of damage they would do in high school when they're playing like regular league games, you know, forget playoffs and AAU when they're playing against guys their own caliber. But when they play like the 10th place team in their city league, like what what happens? Right. Yeah. I mean, we were just like a, a nerdy academic high school. And, you know, like uh, when Corey Brewer came, we were there to watch him. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would say at Tennessee, I actually ha had some of the best years for Tennessee basketball, Tennessee, um, Bruce Pearl was the coach, even though, you know, he has some NCAA violations. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we had, we were number one in the country, uh, at one point, uh, yeah. I think, uh, our team was notorious for people getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. We lost three players the night before, uh, number one, Kansas was coming to play. So we had one walk on as well. And we beat number one, Kansas in our own building, um, with like six players. You were at the game. Uh, yeah, I was at that game. Oh, wow. um, like, the best shooter I ever saw, like, like, visibly, like, his name was Chris Lofton. Okay. Um, I think he actually broke J.J. Reddick's record for uh, most three-pointers um, in a season. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got testicular cancer, unfortunately, his senior year. 
didn't tell anybody about it and everyone was criticizing his play and then at the mm-hmm. end of the year he's like i didn't want to be a distraction to my team so i didn't tell anybody i had testicular cancer God. um but there was a game where they played uh texas actually honestly it was one of the greatest games i've ever seen uh kevin durant comes in oh yeah and uh like this is before steph curry revolutionized the three-point line right it was so chris lofton i think uh Tennessee was like down like one or two, right? And Chris Lofton just pulls up with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, like 35 seconds left in the game over Kevin Durant from 35 feet and just drains it. Um, and people oh, were like, God. you know, it was before people started is. taking those shots. And you can look it up on YouTube. Like Chris Lofton drains 30 foot jumper over Kevin Durant with like 30 seconds left in the game. Wow. Um, and it was just like one of those feelings like where it just gives you the chills, you know? Yeah. Wow. I love to hear it. Nate can attest that I have a lot of love for Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah. He's Kyle's favorite player. <laughs> oh, wow. No, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm Kyle not a fan. Kyle and I won't deny how great of a player is, but, yeah, we're not, we're not the biggest fans. But Kyle and I always have an ongoing um, varying opinions on certain players. But uh, I'm Kyle, not a big Durant Kyle, Kyle, like, Kyle likes this guy here, and I, I like this guy here. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, I, um, I had a couple quick – Quick fire randoms for you. Can I interrupt with mine there, Nate? Okay, one more. Okay, so we were talking about basketball. Do you think you can take me one-on-one? Before you answer that, let me show you one thing. <laughs> Got some for the archives here. Oh, look at that man. kid. Look at that high flyer. Just I know. Off. And then, then, then we got this, this guy right there, beside there with hair. You can see okay. me there. Yeah, that's the Sheridan Bruins there. We ranked number one in Canada, and we shot the bed against Humber in the playoffs. Yeah. We had some seven-footers. We had a nice squad. But one thing, though, before you answer that, because the kids at George Brown, they're like, oh, chef, you play hoops, meet me at the gym. I'm going to kill you. I'll bring my boys. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. You were never like that. So that makes me think that you can probably play. So now you got me a little nervous. Those loudmouth kids who call me out, I'm like, okay, meet me at the gym. Bring all your boys. Slap, slap, slap. See you later. 11 nothing, and I leave. But I don't know. I have a feeling because you're a humble guy. You can play. So you played four years of high school? No, I actually you. didn't play four years of high school. But no? I- I played a lot on the playground, like, like growing mm-hmm. up every single day, I'd be on the playground playing ball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie, but like when I came to Canada, I was like, competition here is kind of soft, you know, like well, uh, compared to Tennessee, obviously. Right. Like even pickup games, uh, you know, at rec gym at the gyms, like intramurals in Tennessee would be legit. Right. It'd be like, yeah, you know, we, we'd have, games. we'd have some guys with like 40, 40 inch verticals that like, uh, weren't even on the basketball team. You know? Yeah. 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 yeah um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like uh, maybe you would have been able to beat me a while ago. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, at this point, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit quicker than you. Uh, okay, well, but we'll, we'll 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 leave it at that. Could because you know um, I'm always fighting father time off. I still think I got <laughs> a little bit of magic, but we'll we'll save that for pre post pandemic because you did send out, hey chef, I got to run here, I got to run there, and for some reason I couldn't I couldn't make it. But. For sure. uh, you better be able to have a you better have a J though, okay? You better your quickness, but you better be able to shoot the ball, and we'll leave it at that. Mr. McGlure, I can, what do you got? I can uh, I can actually attest to to guys running their mouth at a place me and Nate worked at. A kid called out Nate all summer, and uh, <laughs> one day in the middle of service, Nate took him to a court, and the kid came back, and he looked like he'd seen a ghost. So <laughs> uh, things didn't go very well for the kid that Nate played. Um, my quick randoms, I'm just going to give you this or that. I'm going to give you two options. You let me know which one you like better, which one you think. Okay. Uh, poker or cooking? You got to pick one. What do you got? Can I pick eating? Uh, I'll say, I'll say uh, poker. 
yeah because you got the poker screens on in the background right now you showed us that right like yeah. as we're doing this you're playing a little bit of poker there for sure for sure love it okay um you can only pick one cuisine for the rest of your life uh asian southern what do you got asian yeah i figured um you lived in canada you lived in the usa you only had to pick one to live in you can't go back which one you which one you live in for the rest of your life honestly canada yeah it's nice right yeah, yeah U- u.s canada. is a fun place to visit um who had the who has the better restaurant you or your dad oh definitely that, me okay. <laughs> definitely me. and then i got one just because i want to hurt nate's feelings jordan or lebron oh definitely jordan oh i knew it that's why i did it was just to no, hurt it's not, even clo- it's not even close it's not even close Are you- okay well we'll we'll discuss that <laughs> it's not even close that's i mean i mean all right it is close it, it, it thank is you close. that's all i wanted to hear so it, it is, is close, close. Yeah. yeah and i don't want um, people to say jordan i just don't but it's very close and especially yeah. when when he chips out this year it's going to be extremely i just close. just the main difference is like when you watch jordan play especially when he won those six championships there was no doubt that he was going to win every one of those championships. Like, you know, the Phoenix one, the Phoenix one. Okay. I maybe I'm like, a little young for that. Yeah. Boys, I was this, like, yeah. Charles Barkley was my guy. And I'm like, they got a shot. Phoenix was like 65, 67 wins. And then of course, and then of course, uh, Mr. Paxson hits that shot and, and it was done. I thought that was, but yeah, the rest of them, the, the Utah's and the Seattle's and, the Portland's, yeah, of course, there was no doubt. But I just thought that one. I thought the Phoenix Suns had a chance, but obviously they didn't. Boys, this is a this is a restaurant industry podcast. There's a lot of ba- <laughs> there's more basketball talk going on. Don't make me flick the lights on and off like your teachers, eh? Back in school, it's focused <laughs> on the task at hand. There's been there's been a lot of basketball flying around. Um, um sorry, Kyle. I just got one more question before we kind of wrap things up. Uh, so, uh, your dream scenario, Chen, right? What's your dream scenario? Um, you know, 10 years, what's the big picture? Uh, do you want to just pump out Chen Chen's multiple locations or do you got another concept brewing in that, uh, that hamsters running full speed in your head at all times? What, what is, what does that look like for you? Um, I mean, I definitely want Chen Chen's, you know, to be very successful down the road. Um, definitely want to open up more than one location. Yeah, but uh, I I do see quite a few concepts that would be viable in Toronto, just because like, even though Toronto has so much diverse food, there's also a lot of stuff that's still missing. You know, mm-hmm. I think the there's a lack of like good Mexican food, um, actual like legit Hawaiian food like poke that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. the poke here is like kind of like your imitation poke. You know, like I've I've been to Hawaii. My old roommate uh, in Nashville is actually native Hawaiian um and you know there's you can't even compare the poke um here and you know between here and like the west coast um but yeah i just i want to just like uh there's definitely concepts i want to do and you know i just want to grow this brand as much as i can as well um you did mention earlier on about how much you love traveling and you basically travel to eat where you want to eat next right um what's your favorite city that you've ever eaten in uh i mean asia wise i would have to say singapore singapore i think singapore is like uh has the best variety of all the best asian food in the world i think yeah um and then i guess just because you mentioned uh singapore uh what do you find is the biggest difference between the 
the restaurant scene in Asia and the restaurant scene like here or what you what you got in the South? What do you think the big difference is um, experience wise and food wise? Um, I think Canada, there is a lot of authenticity to the food, but sometimes they're trying to be what they're not um, as far as like adapting to Canadian culture. Um, but I think, uh, sorry, what was the question again? Um, just like, as far as like both food scenes go, like here in, in Asia, what do you find the big differences between the two? The price. The price. Okay. Yeah. I, I think right. there's a lot of value in, uh, in Asia, but I mean, you can't really help that, you know, there's like, you know, Canada is a cold country that has imported a lot of its food as well. Um, I, you know, like. I think comparing like Asian food to like, you know, Western food is like apples to oranges, you know, like uh, they're just kind of very different, I guess. Um, and just like the ingredients are very different as well. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's really hard to compare them like side by side because um, they're just so different. Okay. I think I got two more for you here. I got uh, your last meal. Um what's the experience what what is it where is it like tell me about it like you only got one meal left to eat what's the meal where is it and what's the atmosphere like it's probably going to be somewhere really simple i mean i feel like uh i don't know if nate can agree with me on this but like even though you may have cooked in you know nice restaurants fine dining at the end of the day you just want something simple you want to eat noodles on the side of the road you know like um i kind of think i would want to be eating uh hainan chicken rice like just on the side of the road um doesn't have to be anywhere fancy but it gives you that warm feeling that you don't get you know always when you go spend a lot of money on food i couldn't agree more um, um sorry kyle i wanted to jump in here um back to singapore there's a there's a singapore noodle shop up in markham uh do you know the place i was looking through my instagram because I, I thought i posted it but uh, i can't locate it do you know of a noodle singapore sort of noodle shop up in markham does that ring a bell at all have you been up there um i went to one malaysian one in like scarborough-ish area um okay. I, I know the 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 owners actually of the one in mississauga lion city mm -hmm. um pretty good friends with them for a while uh yeah. they're they're from singapore moved here like in the last like five or six years um do awesome like singapore chili grab um yeah, yeah. so okay well if i find it I'll, I'll send you the link i gotta go through my my post but uh, it was it's really good it's like sort of west of the 407 um you know 16th rutherford sort of area but i'll find it's pretty good this is actually a sense okay across the street but it was quite good so i'll try to try to source that out for you where's a uh, question though for you uh where's the best ramen in the city um, I still uh, Raijin, and I just uh, Raijin. I can't. Uh, nothing's beaten it. Even even in um, Kanjiki came to town, and the guy's got yeah. a star. He's got multiple locations. Even like my my one of my boys in Japan was was here helping him set up. Really small world, but he ends up coming to help. Um, he's a good English speaker, and he came because when the chef comes to town, he doesn't speak any English. So my friend yeah. came to Japan. Um, Hiroshi came with him and was sort of like making sure they keep up the standards that the chef wants like so um Kanjiki was good but uh Raijin is really good um then there is the um I mean Sansote did their thing you know I think the original brand and then uh they really did it and now they expanded at such a rapid pace same with Kinton too right like I had Kinton yeah. the first shop 10 years ago 
and now they've got like shops all over the country. And so, you know, once you open up and I think, you know, you, you know, you've got this in the back of your mind, you don't want to open up too quickly because then the quality is just going to suffer from there. Right. So for sure. um, hey, uh, Nate, question, I got to, I got to keep a ramen, ramen question for you too. Yeah. Uh, I like that spot in the beaches. Is it Komodo? Uh, you know what spot I'm talking about? That really yeah, little shit. Like east, quite far east though. Like, yeah, I, th I think it's in the park. Beaches. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I think it's called Komodo, really small place. Um, I got to tell you, like, um, it's probably one of the better places I've been. Uh, yeah, that's the one where they have like a really fishy um, that's right. broth. Uh, that's it's not right. Called, it's not called Komodo, though. <laughs> it's, uh, no, did I, I messed the name up. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, yeah, that's... But they have like the anchovy broth, right? I think yeah, that's their yeah, thing. They call it they anchovy because like you throw Naboshi on there and people are like, oh, what the hell are you talking about, Naboshi? That's like... Uh, you know, whatever, but okay. it's, uh, it is quite good. But I would say uh, Raijin number one, um, that place that you just said that I'm brain farting on right now um, is probably up there. And then I also like the small place Santuka Church in okay. Dundas. Um, they do the miso. There's like the oh, that I was just about to mention that place. That was actually one of my favorite places. Uh, yeah, yeah. Santuka. They do like the Hokkaido miso, yeah, like the spicy really miso. Yeah, yeah, because they've like everyone else is like tonkotsu through the roof, yeah, um, and and a couple other places like kind of veer off with some skim and that's okay, but yeah. like they've got their identity. They do a different type of broth. Um, yeah. Oh, I gotta give my boy one shout out too. Uh, Ryu's Noodle Bar, he's super legit too. His place okay. burned down and uh, on Baldwin Street, and now he's uh, I think he's got two locations, but his his location at uh, Broadview and. Um, Broadview and Danforth, right across from the subway station. Super legit. He worked at a Chinese restaurant in uh, in Japan, so he's got that like Tan Tan sort of Szechuan sort of vibe to some of his noodles. Really good. I haven't taken you there, have I, Kyle? Right. Uh, you took park? me to the one. You took me to the one that burnt down. <laughs> yeah, burnt down. Yeah, 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 yeah. That so, burnt down. Now it's on uh, like the other Nassau Street that's sort of like in Kensington, but like it's not the same Nassau Street that's in Kensington. It's like a bit east. And they have, it's like all the restaurants are in old houses. It's, it's like a pretty, pretty cool little neighborhood there. Yeah. And they have like the margarita taco place across the street. Mm. Um, so you're, you consider yourself a professional poker player as well as a chef or a semi-professional poker player? Does that work? Um, I used to consider myself a professional poker player, but now I'm just a recreational poker player who, uh, who uh, works in the kitchen for a living, you know, runs a restaurant. So so my question is, is working in the restaurant industry, and I'm sure Nate's got a list and you have one and I have one, you cook for famous people, you've met famous people, like as you go, go along, have you, who's the most famous person you've met and have you cooked for them or have you taken money from them at the poker table? Um, I mean, famous for Toronto, I have one, uh, Terrence Davis actually came to a supermarket to get fried chicken one day, middle oh, of the season, yeah. ordered four sandwiches. I was like, I won't tell anybody about this. I won't even act like I know who you are. Um, <laughs> I think he was just missing some of that, like, home cooking. Yeah. Uh, he's from Mississippi. So he came, when I was at Bonnaroo, we served uh, the Whalers uh, some sandwiches. Um, but other than that, you know, my time in cooking has been short. So I guess, you know, I guess I could meet some more famous people. You got a, you got a, you got a poker one that you took money from somebody that we're going to know? Uh I wouldn't say that I've taken money from anyone too famous. Uh, I will say that Paul Pierce comes to the World Series of Poker every year. So I guess, uh, you know, I've played in the same tournament as, as him, maybe. 
Oh, um, you can take that guy's money all you want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know, I know. He, he, uh, he doesn't seem like he's too disciplined at the poker table. He doesn't seem like he's too disciplined by his Instagram live either. But yeah, uh, yeah I know, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess he's got, he's got, he, he, he likes to have fun. I guess you know, whatever. Who's the yeah. Canadian guy? Who's that? Who's this? Who's like the megastar Canadian poker guy? Nagano or yeah, Daniel Negreanu. Yeah, is he like he's pretty legit? Like he's he's one of the greatest guys ever. And what's 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 your take on him? Uh, I mean, he's definitely like a, a legend in the sense of like, uh, you know, longevity, consistency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but right now, the people that are really crushing poker are not like the old school legends. The people that are really crushing poker are like guys that it's kind of sad, but they could actually be like scientists or whatever. But like they're instead crunching numbers on, you know, game tree theory and like, you know, running simulations and trying to find out what they call is like most game theory op optimal. Yeah. Um, a lot of like terms like you know they study like Nash equilibrium um, and like uh, something used like something really complicated that only the poker nerds know about called uh, the independent chip model which uh, basically allows you to estimate how much each decision is worth in certain situ situations I don't even know how to use it but it's it's kind of crazy well you lost me about a minute ago but it's yeah, yeah. for sure <laughs> so um i mean i was i was i'm excited that you came on man i th i had a really great time talking with you um is there anything that you want to plug uh anything at all uh obviously i i know we're gonna get a chen chen's hot chicken but anything else or tell us give us give us your uh chen chen's plug uh yeah i mean you know chen chen's hot chicken obviously you know that's my restaurant that's my baby you know that's uh you know what i put my life into but you know i want to plug out uh chef hogan he was one of the best instructors i had um you know great food theory class uh you know really on top of his shit um and uh you know i just want to shout out you know all the struggling restaurants out there you know i, I know that like it's a tough time right now but like things are going to get better um i think perseverance is is the main key to everything and you know hopefully the industry recovers because you know from every single person that's been affected from like the line cooks to the dishwashers, you know, to the front of the house people, like we've all taken a big hit in this industry. And, you know, I, I just want everyone to know that like, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, man. I mean, like I said, seeing, seeing these, hearing these stories and, and seeing uh, students flourish out in the industry and it's what it's all about for me. So um, not just myself, but as George Brown's an institution, we're proud of what you're doing. Keep it up. Um, you know the you're just in the infant stages of your career so just keep plowing and and uh yeah i'm excited for what you got going in the future keep it up we're proud of you and uh yeah that's it another another episode of uh what's we what do we call it again beyond the past in the books beautiful vantage well, you don't know you don't know the name yet in episode three <laughs> i had some comic relief in there kyle you look like you're on the uh the set of the arsenio hall show there with the, the fake tree <laughs> They got a beautiful right. venue, beautiful studio at Vantage Events. Um, and yeah, another episode in the books. Uh, Kyle, who do we have coming down the pipe? I, I know you've got a few uh, coming down. The, who, who do we got coming up? In the oh, yeah. So we have uh, we have John Hodd, who's the head brewer um, of Radical Road Brewing Company, uh, ex-brewer of or ex-head brewer of uh, Black Oaks. Um, he, he's also a partial owner of Radical Road. So he's got that brewery slash restaurant owner experience. Um, I got, we got Sebastian Soul uh, coming on, uh, used to be a TV producer, much music, uh, 
So You Think You Could Dance now owns a restaurant in the city. Uh, I have the pleasure of working with him out of one of my restaurants, one of the best restaurant owners um, I've had the pleasure of working with with absolutely no experience. So that's a cool one. And then we have my girl, Erin Henderson from the Wine Sisters coming on. Um, uh, can't say not the, enough good things about her and what she does. Um, and then we have Luke McCabe from Finch Market. Uh, he's got the, the cool little market out uh, close to Cornwall. Uh, he's got specializes in the butchery. He's got the Wagyu beef hookups. Uh, went to Japan, learned all about that. So we got some cool guys coming down. Guys oh, and girls, sir. Beautiful. Well, I got I got a huge one, hopefully for our 10th episode. Um, I don't want to uh, divulge too much information, but it's going to be a monster. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get that working. If it's not the 10th episode, it, it should be there shortly thereafter. Uh, but yet again, Chen, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Keep up the great work. Uh, so thank you um, for myself, Nate Hogan, my boy Kyle McGlure, Vantage Venues. Thank you so much. Um, we out of here, Kyle. And we out of here. Yo, what happened to peace? Peace, 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 peace.